Well, well, well. Welcome, everyone. Hello, and welcome to A Coach's Perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins, and listener, I have missed you. Um, we have been preempted the last couple weeks because of the Springfield Cardinals, but I am uh, rooting for them, and I, it is a lot of fun to go out to the Springfield Cardinals game. So if you haven't had a chance to do that yet, I encourage you to do so. If you can't, you can tune in right here, and the talented Andrew Buckbinder will bring you those games. But we are here tonight, and I'm excited about this show. This show is presented to you by Great Southern Bank. They are a presenting sponsor, and we are so grateful. Joe Turner, Kelly Polonis, all of their teammates over at Great Southern Bank really make this show happen, and we appreciate them so much. Great Southern Bank is serious about convenience. With nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs, and mobile and online banking services, you're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com. Member FDIC. Other sponsors that we'll talk about throughout the show, Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford and Bolivar, Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. So on our previous show, uh, we had we had a great interview with Katie Sowers. Katie Sowers um, joined us and we talked a little bit about her experience of being the first female um, NFL coach when she was with the 49ers and the Chiefs, and now she is at Ottawa University as a flag football coach. They won the national championship, and it was a great interview. We had a really, uh, we had a great time about her path and how she got into football. And so if you want to listen to that, Kyra Dorch also joined us, and we talked to her about the importance of professional development for coaches as she just put on a conference for coaches. So if you want to listen to that, go to a coach's perspective. You can, um, dot com. You can listen to it on the website. You can go to iTunes. Spotify, Verbal, and Helium Satellite Radio. All right, so batter up. It is all baseball. It is all baseball this hour. We're going to look at all types of angles, and I'm very excited because we have um, in the studio one of my all-time favorite coaches. I don't always say that. (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) Well, not to everyone. (laughs) But I want to welcome Missouri State University's baseball legendary coach, Keith Gutton. Good to be with you, Jenny. Well, I'm happy to see you as well. And, and I, you know, first I want to talk, we're going to talk a lot tonight about, we're going to talk a little professional baseball, Cardinals and Royals. Uh, then we're going to talk about a little bit of, um, just the state of college baseball and get your opinion on some things. And then I, I sent out a, a tweet and, and said, I have Keith Gutton coming on. Here's your chance. What do you want to ask him? And so. Most of the questions are pretty, <laughs> pretty good. I got a lot of emails, and we are going to answer. You're, you are going to answer our listener questions as well. Hopefully, so, nobody emailed you and asked why I cut them twenty five years ago. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was. Uh, they they are all pretty good. So, good. Um, so let's let's start off though. Let's talk a little bit of professional baseball. I mean, you get all of the. Sc- and the stats um, with, with you know Art and Ned's show they both do a wonderful job of, of doing that um, you know but let's let's talk a little bit about the intangibles and the state of what the Cardinals and the Royals are dealing with right now um, the you know the the St. Louis Cardinals have slipped to number two they're 44 and 39 in the NL Central behind Milwaukee um, when you have a team that's held first and has been doing well for a while and then they slip to second um, I, I feel like teams could go either direction. So you've got to get them to creep back up to that first, or they can spiral. They can spiral. They can start blaming. They can start um, having negative attitudes, um, and they can continue to drop. So how do you as a coach and as, as a, a baseball manager, what do you do to, to try to keep them and get them back up to that first spot? I think spot? the first thing 
Kenny, with Major League Baseball, is recognizing that's 162 games. It's not a college season. It's not a high school season. And a lot of things happen. There's ebbs and flows. Injuries are very, very critical to the success of a team at that level. And obviously, starting pitching, keeping it healthy, keeping your bullpen healthy, some of that's luck, some of it's preventive, some of it's training. But uh, I think as a manager in professional baseball or in college baseball or even in high school, the players want consistency from you more than anything else. They want to know that you're going to be there for them, have their back, whether with the media or anyone else. And, and they're looking for some consistency from you, your personality, how you show up every day, because it is a very, very long season. It, it, I think that's an excellent point because you have to be, um, you have to, you know, as coaches, you got to be motivating. You know, you, you've got to be able to, to get them fired up, to get them focused, to have them prepared. Um, and with so many games and such a long season, that can be difficult. That can be taxing on, on coaches as well. I think the, the key word from what you said is prepared because when you're in professional baseball and this is your livelihood for your family, and you play 162 games, that's not pep talks. That's not fired up. That's going out and executing what you have been taught and are prepared to do. And if you do that, you stand a better chance for success. But it's not rah-rah in professional baseball. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about, well, hey, the Cardinals had a pretty rare instance last week. Tell us uh, who did that and what they did. Well, I think you're speaking about Nolan Arenado and his, hitting for the cycle. He had a home run, triple, double, single, the same game, which is extremely rare in baseball. And I think you asked me off air (laughs) if I ever had someone do it. I said, if they did, I don't remember it. So that's how rare it is. I mean, you could go seasons, literally, without having them. More rare than a no-hitter. But, it, you know, it's – could you imagine, you know, having your first three at-bats and having, like, a single, double, triple – What's going oh, through your goodness. mind? And trying to hit home runs can be challenging at any level, but uh, it's quite a feat for Arnon. That is incredible. And, and I can imagine the pressure when he did go up there knowing that he's got a chance to, to do that. Um, but how exciting to be able to be there and see that and witness that. Yeah, that's something you'll, you'll never forget. And, uh, you know, I, I don't remember the exact order he had his hits in, but it's, it's a tremendous accomplishment. Right. Um, I did. I did get a text earlier um, from from my younger brother Jeff Burnett, and he did say that he hit for the cycle in um, t-ball when he was younger. <laughs> the pitching's not quite as good in t-ball. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but how how impressive and that he, he remembered he remember, that. <laughs> I didn't remember him doing it, right. but at least he remembered. Yes. <laughs> so that uh, that you know it is pretty rare, and so congratulations to him for for that extraordinary feat. Um, so let's, let's, let's change a little bit of gears and talk about the Royals. Um, I know that, uh, you know, being in the AL Central, they're 29 and 50. Um, the, you know, they're, they're just struggling. They're just struggling. And, um, as, as a, a manager, what is it that, what kind of techniques could you do and what could you use? Because it is such a long season. How do you keep them from just continuing? to show up every night, I mean, and be able to try and and produce as much as you can. It's got to be difficult for them. Well, you have to redefine goals. You have to measure progress as opposed to necessarily the final score. 
but the final score dictates whether the manager stays. So they're certainly interested in winning. But that's a very, very young, talented team. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr., I remember his dad, and uh, that would be senior, by the way. Right, thank uh, you. But, you know, you, you have to measure it different ways. You have to look for progress. Uh, might be daily, weekly, monthly, and hope for the best at the end of the season. They've been through these things before, and I'm not a Royals aficionado, but they Dayton Moore is a very highly respected baseball person who led them to, uh, you know, two American League championships, a World Series victory, and it's in there. But, I mean, you have to, as a Royals fan, it's hard, but you have to be very patient. So what, what have you done with your teams in the past? If you've had a streak in the season where you've, you've lost several games in a row, you know you have the talent, but you've got to get them to turn that corner. What are some things, if there's some coaches listening now, could, could maybe possibly do to help them turn that corner? Well, that's a really good question. I don't know if there's one single answer, but uh, talking to your players individually and making sure they know what's expected of them and if they're doing things well, complimenting them. If they're not doing things or playing as hard or practicing as hard, you're going to remind them. But, uh, you know, the days of <clears throat> really yelling at players, those are gone. Mm-hmm. They really don't work. Right. And uh, for some of us, it probably took a little longer than others to yeah. change. Right. that but you, you've got to try to communicate i'm glad you brought that up because i do i i'm a big believer in dif- differentiated motivation um i think you know as coaches we've got to get to know the players and what motivates them and you've got to be able to use some you've got to be able to figure out what makes them tick and you've got to takes a lot of energy but it sure saves a lot of energy in the future and it's got a lot of longevity well i think and and with that individually tick, you know right there has to be you know, everybody's different. Everybody's right. brain works differently. Everybody's body works differently in terms of their skills, and you, you've got to figure it out. And that's where your off-season, your preseason, your preparation comes in and knowing your players. Yes. I, I used to um, I used to have um, – my mother used to give teams learning style tests. Um, Joe Belt Hopper, she used to come in and give learning styles tests. And so you could find out if they're an audio learner, a visual learner, or kinesthetic learner. And being able to have that information on how they absorb um, knowledge and how, you, how they learn can be so helpful to coaches, and it can help motivate them because your message is different. <laughs> well, in the old days, everybody just talked, basically, right. and right. lectured and and – I don't think that's particularly effective. I think visual learning, most people are visual learners. I, I find that guys who have been around good baseball, seen things, played a lot, been around good baseball people before they get to us is very, very helpful because they continue to learn those ways. And you learn by watching and you learn by doing. That is so true. That is so true. Well said, well said. All right, well, we're going to take our first break. Um, I had advertised that we would also have Don Lucader here on the show, and he had um, an unfortunate incident that occurred, and he could not be here tonight. So uh, we're thinking about you, Don, and, and I know that he's he's going to be okay, but I know the next time I say, hey, you want to come over and talk baseball, he, he's going to get here and get here <laughs> as quickly as he can because he loves it. And so um, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Keith Gutton. And it's not too late. If you want to email any questions into Coach Gutton, you can email them to a coach's perspective at gmail.com. Thank you, Great Southern, for being our presenting sponsor. We'll be right back on a coach's perspective.
Coach's Perspective. I'm Jenny Hopkins, and I'm here with Keith Gutton. And this segment is sponsored by Highland Dairy. Highland Dairy is owned by dairy farmers, and they've been providing a great selection of nutritious dairy products since 1938. It's a proven fact from scientific studies, professional dietitians, they all agree that the ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after a workout is chocolate milk. And guess who has the best tasting chocolate? Highland Dairy. And they're a proud sponsor of A Coach's Perspective. Thank you to Greg Stevenson for all of his support and all of his teammates over at Highland Dairy. So, Coach Gutton, we, you know, we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, professional baseball. Let's shift gears and talk college baseball. Um, you know, before we, you know, get into some of the general questions that I have, I want to talk a little bit about your season because I haven't had a chance to publicly congratulate you. Um, so thrilled with the way that your season ended. And I, I feel like the, the glove you wear is like the Midas glove. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like what, you, you know, you, it ends up, being gold, it's like you get your teams to peak right when they need to peak. And you may not feel that way because you're in it. But I want to congratulate you again. An NCAA tournament appearance, what a what a great way to, to take this team to do. I appreciate it. We did we played very well toward the end. I give it credit to the players. <clears throat> we had our ups and downs during the course of the regular season, but they were very convicted. And the discussion was basically before we started conference tournament simply – Nobody really remembers much about the season other than the end of it. So you want to race what ups and downs we've had. Let's go out now and prove that we're a good team. And we were able to get some key players back at that point, and they mm-hmm. performed very well. Don't you love that about the fan mentality? <laughs> when, you, when you do well at the very end of the season, then all of the different uh, roller coasters that you had throughout the season to get there kind of fades. That's part of the deal. Right, absolutely. I mean, you know, whenever you're in a leadership position, whether it's in sports, business, politics, and you have to make decisions, <clears throat> people like to maybe disagree with those decisions and disagree with performance. And that's this is the profession we chose. It is. That is that is very true. Very true. Um, but I, I can't congratulate you enough because I really feel like it is a, an accomplishment as a coach um, to be able to take a team because your season's very long as well. It's a lot of games. You're on the road a lot. You, I mean, it is taxing physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, but, and so to be able to get to the end of the season, I mean, and, and you know, they're, they're wrapping up their school during part of the season, but you, you get an opportunity to say, we went through all of this. Now let's make something of it. Well, and, and the postseason is the most fun. And for the players, they like the fact that school is out then. Right. <laughs> and then you're playing a conference tournament. If you win, you keep going. It's the greatest time time of year in college baseball, as I'm sure it is in all the other college sports as well. And, you know, we had very good player leadership. And I think uh, our assistants did a great job. And, you know, you don't, you don't panic. You just keep going and try and do things that you do well and improve the other things. And, you know, we got some well-pitched games in the conference tournament. Forrest Barnes pitched the game of his life beat the number one team in the conference in a complete game. There are no complete games in baseball. T-ball, major leagues, anywhere in between, and Forrest went the whole way and really saved our pitching staff. That was a big key. 
That is huge, and what that's a nice compliment as well. Um, when you when you are working to get your team to peak at the end of the season, and I think senior leadership is really important, and obviously the buy in, the continual buy in throughout the season is really important. Um, you know, as far as do you ever change up your practice routines as the season goes to try to get towards the end? Do you change up anything that we go? You do? We go a little lighter for mm-hmm. sure. I think being very in tune with how they are feeling physically uh, is critically important not overworking them cutting back the lifting a little bit we have a great strength coach and chase barber and communicating with the medical team the rehab team the weight coach all the above and making sure you know i think we really tried to step up what we did nutritionally for our players this year cost more money but i think they really appreciate it i think it helped I think that makes a big difference. Um, it's an obvious difference. I mean, input equals output. And I think that's something they probably really appreciated. Yeah, and that was one of the things actually two years ago they all suggested was on their mind, and we addressed it. And, you know, <clears throat> our catcher, Drake Baldwin, who was our team MVP by a unanimous vote, by the way, uh, down the stretch, he just was insane in a good way. And it just went to show, I think, that in that critical position, he was able to maintain his strength and his endurance. So I think the nutrition aspect, along with the strength training, was very beneficial. Good. So you got your contract extended in three years. Congratulations on that. And, yeah, I'll um, be 100 when that one's up. <laughs> so, you you know, that that run helped also your recruiting. Anytime you can ha- generate that much excitement at the end of the year. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, who you, who you can comment on or who you can't. I'll give you one story, Jenny. I would, oh, bring it up. on. I love your story. So out of the blue, uh, Joey Hawkins, who's our recruiting coordinator, now associate head coach, did a great job for us. And got an email from a shortstop at another Division One school. A thousand miles away who had seen us play on TV in the regional, said he was interested. He went. He was going in the portal. He was a freshman All-American, and he will be a Bear next year. No, stop it. Knew nothing about him, never heard his name, zero zilch. But saw the energy of your team. Saw him play, liked what he saw, and uh, emailed Joey, and boom, 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 he visited, and he'll be with us next year. Freshman All-American position player. How about that for recruiting? Yeah, so that's. That's that's nice. That is nice. That is wonderful. Well, so so what do you you know when you're looking at the season like that? Even though you you finished you know you went to the tournament, there's still holes. So what were you looking for in your recruits to fill those holes next season? Well, I think you know we had some good pitching. We needed a lot more, and we've gone to the portal, one of your favorite topics, mm, yes. and we've been able to get some commitments from a pitching standpoint out of the portal, and that was really an emphasis for it. Us and we're still working on it to this day. At this moment, we'll be working on that till August 22nd when we start school. Now, a year ago, we brought in five players that were in the transfer portal. <clears throat> Three were pitchers. They were all actually grad transfers, but they're still in the portal. They all helped us. All three. Adam Link was our Kickapoo guy. He did a great job. He's our Friday starter. Uh, Jake McMahill was the guy with his hair down his back and. Uh, he pitched very effectively. He's already signed with an independent team. And then Ryan Rodriguez, here's here's an interesting journey. He's from Los Angeles, went to a JUCO in L.A., then to Arkansas Tech. I don't know what city that's in. Maybe Russellville. You're in Arkansas. Yeah, person. well, I am, and I don't know what city. Conway or Russellville, one of those. D2, 
went in the portal, came on, was one of our best relievers. Then Will Duff, who's a Springfield kid, went to Vanderbilt, got him back. Anthony Sochi was our number two catcher. So we really benefited a great deal by the portal a year ago, and I think this juncture we are again. So it is in Russellville, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, t- let's talk a little. Let's go ahead and transition into the transfer portal. And you've had success with it. You like it. Um, tell me what you think like it's it going to do. Right. What do you think it's going to do for the longevity of the college game? Okay. So <clears throat> I think there's some merit to the portal. I think there are reasons why kids leave and they're valid. <clears throat> what I think you want to certainly stay away from is the tampering, guys stealing players. In our business, everybody, for the most part, goes out in the summer and they play. And they have new teammates from other schools. So there's a little bit of that going on. But I think it's fair when a kid gets cut or his scholarship gets reduced or whatever that he should be able to leave and transfer and play immediately. I think where we're running into more issues are, along with the portal, the NIL. So you're at a point now in the summer, let's say in college baseball in certain leagues, certain programs where on paper you're out of money. You get 11.7 scholarships in baseball, so you're out of money. And the the NIL is not supposed to be used for recruiting. It's more supposed to be for your players are already there to take advantage of their name, image, likeness. But what you're seeing now is players being bought, literally being bought. right. If you look at, let's just use college football, college basketball, ladies and men, baseball, for example, what you're going to see down the road, unless there's some guardrails put into this, is the top 20 programs are going to buy their players every year, and they're not going to run out of money because their institutions are going to provide it, and it's legal. And that, that's the hard part. I mean, there's the regulation of the lack, excuse me, of, of regulation, the non-existent regulation is, is something that it's almost like coaches now have to recruit their own players every year. Yeah, and I think there was, it was well-intentioned uh, for poor athletes to be able to take advantage of mm-hmm. their prowess. But uh, like anything else, people are going to find ways to manipulate it and utilize it to their advantage. I, I'm concerned down the road unless there's changes made to the NIL of where we're headed. I honestly am. Well, and I don't know how they didn't see this coming. Um, as long as they have, they held off on, on, on giving this, um, opportunity to athletes, how they didn't see this coming and, and why it's, um, well, lacks I don't know if they didn't see it coming, but I think they were more concerned about the federal government and potential lawsuits by individuals. And they just wanted to get it off their back and lay it out there. And it's, it's a mess. It, it really is. And I think that's something that is really going to be hard on coaches. Um, again, recruiting your roster every year, <laughs> um, being able trying to compete um, with Coach Ed. That is yeah, just really you're gonna difficult. Be, you're going to be a farm system for uh, top 20 teams. Everybody yes. else is. And I, you see it every day. I mean, guys are committing on social media because they played in a regional with other teams. They got to see them. And all of a sudden, here they are, ending yeah. up at the other school. Right. It, it is a mess, that is for sure. Well, we're going to continue to talk about that and several other topics. Uh, we had a lot of great questions sent in. Thank you very much for doing that, listeners. And uh, Keith Gutton is here, and he's going to answer your questions. Um, we appreciate you being here. So thank you also to Highland Dairy for sponsoring this segment, along with Drs. Greg and Melinda Burnett, as they support local and thoughtful radio. We're going to take a quick break and show some appreciation to our sponsors, and we'll be right back here on A Coach's Perspective. 
Coach's Perspective. I'm Jenny Hopkins, and I have fortune to sit here with Coach Keith Gutton, and we are picking his brain, and uh, we're talking all baseball this hour. Uh, this segment is sponsored by Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar. They know cars, they know trucks, they know SUVs, and they know how to keep their customers happy and loyal. I've been one of them for over 25 years. Kelly Grant and Shane Rainey will take care of you. Give them a call at 417-326-7671. We're also very grateful for West Logging. Westlogging.com or find Danny West on Facebook. He will give you a free consultation and he's going to treat your land like his own. And we also appreciate Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance supporting this segment. All right, so Coach Gutton, we, you know, we've talked to a professional baseball. We've talked a little college. We're going to continue a little bit um, on the NIL and the transfer portal, and I'll try to keep my temper under control because I get pretty fired up on those two topics. But um, I have some questions I want to make sure and get to that were sent in by some listeners. And so one of them was from a, this is a junior high baseball coach, and um, he wanted to know what you felt like was the most important parts of building a solid and consistent program. He went on to kind of explain, and I'm obviously not going to say where he is at, that he doesn't have a great mentor at the high school level, that the program, he wants it, he wants to prepare them for the high school level, but he's having difficulty um, working with the high school coach on that mission. So what do you think if he wants to focus on a junior high program or any program, <coughs> what are those? I think mentors are very, very important. I was fortunate. I had Bill Rowe who coached me and I was his assistant. <coughs> Find another mentor. Yeah. That's what I would do. I mean, I you can find them all. People are willing to help. You know, you've coached basketball for a long, long time. I'm sure you helped many young coaches, and I think you appreciate what was done for you, and then you want to return the favor. But, you know, go to another high school. Uh, go watch a college practice. Talk to their coaches. Most people will give you their time if they think you're sincere about improving your players. So in building a program, finding that mentor can be very helpful. Um, I also think, you know, individual skill development can be huge at that level. Um, I think one of the things of building a solid and consistent program is making, I know this is cheesy and it sounds like a T-shirt, but making the fundamentals fun at that level. Um, and, you know, that would be something I feel like he, he could do to help build that program as well. Yeah, I think particularly at that age, you sure. don't want people quitting because it's boring. Right. Uh, or it's too hard, perceived too hard. So as you said, make it enjoyable, have a little variety, uh, and they'll work for you. You just got to get through to it. Right. And, and continue to have, you know, fun. I feel like, uh, you know, I don't feel like it. I know this is true, that players feed off of coaches. Um, if you lose your mind, that gives your players a right to lose their mind. You've got to keep your poise. And, and I can't say that I've always done that. I can't say I've always kept myself under control. I've gotten technicals in the past, and I'm not proud of that. But... I think I've had one ejection <laughs> in my career. <laughs> one? I was making a joke. Yeah. <laughs> right. More than one. Right, yeah. And and it it is hard. You get caught up in the emotions, but also that shows passion for your team. <clears throat> I think, too. In college, I, I know there are certain rules in high school where you can't do certain things, period. But in college, you have a little more leeway to do some things, at least as a head coach. Assistants cannot talk to the umpires, period. And again, I think you mentioned that they have to know you have their back. Yes. They have to know you're willing to fight and in some t cases be ejected for them, and that, that's just part of the deal. Right. I, I can tell you that I feel like, Sometimes when 
I unfortunately would get a technical, it would fire my team up. Not that I would want to try to do that. I know some coaches have used that as a strategy and uh, and they've asked for technical, but I don't think that that's what you want to set out and do for sure. But it does have that effect. Yeah, I've, I've been ejected and we've won, and I've been ejected when we've lost. I mm-hmm. haven't kept the record. Right. It's probably pretty close, but uh, you just have to show them you really you have some fight in you, and you're going to have their back. Well, I know someone that would probably know that, and that would be Art Haynes because he's an encyclopedia. And uh, we were talking earlier about hitting for the cycle, so. He said you you said you didn't know if you've ever had anybody and you did get some information from Art Haynes. Yeah, the, the encyclopedia nineteen ninety eight <laughs> Matt Sapicki versus Indiana State in Terre Haute. I do remember him having a really good game, but I didn't remember it that specifically. Right. So thank you, Art Haynes. You have had a player hit for the cycle. Yes. That's pretty pretty exciting. All right. So good luck to that coach and, and obviously keep swinging. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. I love this question. I love it. So speaking of um, in keeping your temper, how do you handle criticism? That is very difficult, and coach, it's it's a hard profession. It is. Well, I think in this day and age, you understand that it is part of the game. As I said before, when you're in leadership, business, politics, sports, whatever the case may be, you're going to be criticized, and you have to learn that that's part of the business. But making it easier on yourself, stay off social media, stay off uh, fan sites, uh, stay off certain call-in shows that you know are maybe uh, hot on those type topics, and uh, do your job. Not including the coach's no, perspective. No, the coach's perspective, there's never any criticism. Right. Coaches, it's, it's all roses. That's right, yes. Well, I, you know, I always, um, I have younger coaches that have asked me, you know, how do you handle criticism? I, I always handled it in three steps. Well, first one, I, I always say, are they right? I mean, are they right? Because if we're going to tell our players to be confident enough to be criticized and to be coached and to be confident enough to make mistakes and get over them, we need to also be able to, to do that. So I will, you know, ask myself, you know, are they right? Um, if I who's, feel like. Who's the they? Right, right. Well, whoever's criticizing me. And, yeah, so, I mean, and that's that's another thing. Know where it's coming from. Know where it's coming from. Yeah, I think the different side of that is have a staff that's not afraid to speak up to you or speak out yeah. to you when they think you're wrong. <clears throat> and that's we've always had that kind of open mic, and uh, they're not shy about I it. I love the way you think because step two of handling criticism, have trusted advisor, advisors. You have a coaching staff, run that decision by, you know, when I feel like, nope, I think they're wrong, I'm right, but I'm going to run it by my trusted staff. I'm going to run it by people that unconditionally will tell me if I'm wrong or not. And then the third one is some people are just crazy. Let it go. Let it go. You could be Keith Gutton coaching that team and they're going to criticize you. So you got to, you got to move on. It's part of the deal. You know, I mean, as, and, and honestly, uh, and I know that you you don't like to get a lot of compliments and a lot of attention, but too bad this is my show, so I get to say what I want to say. But you really do have a lot of talent and a lot of skill as a coach, and you, you really passionately care about your kids and care about your program. And for to be able to have such a solid coaching foundation um, is very important. There's, you know, there's there's not a lot of, quote, formal training. Right. You know, you have to kind of feel your way through it as a young coach, I think. And I was very fortunate I got an opportunity as a young coach to be a head coach. 
in college. And <clears throat> as I said, I had a great mentor in Bill Rowe. But, you know, the other thing he did, he became our athletic director, and he wasn't at every practice. He wasn't looking over my mm-hmm. shoulder. He never talked to me or criticized me about strategy. He let me do my job, and I made mistakes and hopefully learned from yeah. them. And, and people are going to criticize, and sometimes you have to think of that that's their world. They get to live in it. You don't have to, and you don't have to give them your emotions. You can stay focused on your job. But but think about the big picture sometimes when you want to criticize a coach. Uh, sometimes you're it's too short-sighted. Look at the well, big you picture. you don't really have the information that they have. Right, exactly. And you're not in the locker room. You're not no, in practice. And, and you may have somebody very close to you involved, and you have a biased opinion, and that that's okay. Right. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Right. Uh, but the thing that matters is the team's page, and guess who gets to dictate that and control that narrative, and that would be the head coach. <laughs> the program comes first. Right, without any hesitation. So next question that was sent in. Um, what is the most important position that you recruit besides pitching? Catching. Catching. Hardest <laughs> position to find talent in. I've made this comment over the years, not <clears> – <throat> in regard to any particular individual in any particular year, but there's not enough catching in the world. Because like a lot of things, professional sports takes their share. Top 20 teams take their share. Probably like basketball, what we used to call a center. They don't call them that anymore. I don't know what they call them. They're all numbered. Right, five. (laughs) Right, but I mean, how hard was it in the early days of Division One, for our basketball coaches to get a bona fide center. Right. Where the other schools would have three or four quarterbacks in football. Catchers for us, and we're fortunate, we just had a great one, uh, Drake Baldwin, who will go very well in the draft, which starts July 17th. But without a doubt, catchers and then short, true shortstops that can play that position. I always think, um, you know, catchers have a similar mentality. This may be way off, and I'm sure anybody out there listening, they'll, contra- they'll, they'll definitely correct me. But linebackers, I feel like in football, have a little different mentality. they got to be a little off in a good way, in a good way. And I feel like catchers are the same way. They've got to have a mentality that is just um, clicks to another level. And I think that's what you saw with your catcher this year. Yeah, I think. Number one, you're playing the hardest position. Other people look at you. They realize it. So automatically, if you're doing a pretty good job, you're a leader on that team. Yes. You have no choice. Yes. And you're highly respected by the other players and coaches. It's, it's a very challenging position. We, I would say 90% of Division One schools, the coaches call the pitches. We don't call the pitches. Our catcher calls the pitches. Mm-hmm. Our pitching guys prepare them. And I think it helps them when they get to professional baseball. It's already a skill that they have. Yeah, that, is, that makes a big difference. And, you know, and I, I probably could also phrase that in as, as I think you have to have an ultra-competitive mindset to play in that position. Well, you well. also have to separate your offense and defense really quick. Yeah. You know, you strike out and nobody cares. You better mm-hmm. go catch. Mm-hmm. You get hit somewhere on your body, nobody cares. you got to catch. Right. So it's you got to be pretty mentally and physically tough to play that position. Yeah. All right, uh, next question that was sent in, uh, and this goes along with, with pitching, what what makes a good pitcher? And this was sent in by a 12-year-old. Throw strikes. <laughs> it's that simple. It's not a complicated right. answer. Right. You know, you're certainly you have to practice. Your body has to move correctly. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes velocity can be overrated. Uh, we all look for it. Sure, We'd love to have the guy throw strikes and has great pitches. 
hard to come by. Again, pro guys, sure. top 20 schools, on and on and on. But uh, if you can throw strikes and you can throw a ball that can be put in play and caught by your defenders, you're going to pitch for a while. So keep on, keep on rolling. Uh, that a twelve-year-old wanting to know what makes a good pitcher. This is definitely that's a great time for him to be working on that. I had um, a young man in, in the community I live in that uh, used to work on his pitching, and he ended up um, pitching in college. But when he was um, nine or ten years old, his dad went to a um, salvage yard and got him an old dryer and set it out in their backyard, and he pitched and pitched and pitched into that. Dryer, yes. <laughs> it's a strike that's, zone. That's being creative, right? Yes, I always it thought probably that. Helped. It did. It did. So he just got him a whole bucket of balls, and he and sat the there and pitched. Were dry too. And pitched right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Next questions. Uh, what are your pet peeves that players do when you are looking at them uh, in the recruiting realm? And then, what are your pet peeves of current players? I think not running out and at bat hard is a yeah. huge one for me. I mean, I've walked away from guys that uh, I can remember one instance at Lindenwood College I was watching a summer game and I had come up there kind of specifically to see one guy hit a ball back to the pitcher and didn't make it halfway to first and I just told the summer coach it's somebody else it's not me ended up playing professionally not in the major yeah, leagues right but I mean you, you have to play hard I mean that's any sport any time any level you have to do that so that would be that would be one. That uh, body language just screams high maintenance. Everything. Yeah. So going hard all the time, not being a good teammate, not being supportive, those are certainly pet peeves. Crazy pet peeves, bouncing a bouncing a baseball on concrete in the dugout is my, my oh, yeah. pet peeve. <laughs> I, don't, like... I don't roll with that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I want to try to make sure and get through all these questions. Thank you all again for sending these in. These are fantastic. Um do, do you work with uh, your players on mental health? If so, what, what do you do since that is such a, a hot topic right now? It really should, it's always been a hot topic. We're just talking about it more now. Well, we have a mental skills coach that does baseball related things, but we also have access at the university to various sources on campus and online that we use. And I have to say that Kyle Motes has been a very big proponent trying to help our athletes with any mental health issues. Yes, yes, he has, definitely. And that's um, an area, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier about how, you, you know, yelling at athletes those days are gone, um, not caring about their mental health or not caring about them outside of the sport and outside of the arena, those days are gone too. 100%. And I think <clears throat> taking care of them mentally and physically, number one, they're going to perform better and you're going to have a better trusting relationship with them if they know you're concerned about those things, just not their performance. Right. All right. Uh, this this question came from possibly a future bear. I don't know. It says, my son uh, um, is six years old and can throw with right hand and left. He might be a future left. bear, but right? not for this coach. Yeah, for, <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> oh, likes to, can throw left and right and wants to know what your favorite is and should he work on his left or his right. How about both? How about both? We faced a pitcher probably 15 years ago for Creighton University named Pat Vendetti threw with both arms in a game. In a game. Had a special made glove, threw in a game, signed professionally, pitched in the major leagues. Pat Vendetti from Creighton. So keep doing what you're doing. I <laughs> love it. Very good. 
All right, favorite play in baseball that gets your team fired up. This is from an, another 12-year-old. What is the favorite play? When that happens, it gets your blood pumping. Well, I know what our favorite play is. It's a home run. It used to be, <laughs> people used to say it was the triple, the most exciting play in baseball. But with this particular group, it was the home run, and they did their their dance in the dugout, and they had a real good time with it. Is that the gritty now, or mm-hmm. I got that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. They That'll had their work. own. That'll work. Pretty cool. <laughs> nice. All right, um, this one is from a high school coach. I just got hired at a small town to take over the baseball team. I'm very excited about it. They were a very good team, but I would not call them great. What are some things in the offseason I can do to make them great? Work on mental skills. Bring somebody in, find somebody, or find resources. Work on strength in the offseason and anything they can do together, uh, volunteering, any type of bonding activities. There's plenty to do in the offseason. Well, and along along those lines, I think um, I think that's so important to be able to have those uh, you know those fundamental skills. And we've talked a little bit about this. You know, have you seen a drop um, in the players that are coming into your program on some of the fundamental skills because a lot of teams have moved to just playing so many games that they're not doing the fundamental camps or the fundamental work that that they used to. Yeah, I think you can quickly. See, and, and in our sport, I watch base running a lot, and that's a fundamental that's mm-hmm. kind of been lost to some degree. But again, I think there's so much of an emphasis, Denny, on playing and being seen and being recruited that sometimes they lose out on the practice time and the ability to, to hone those fundamentals. Right. Um. Last question that I'm going to get to tonight, um, and this is this is this is fun. How do you teach sliding? I know uh, Chris Adams, our baseball coach over at Greenwood Laboratory School, got out of a slip and slide. That's how he. That's talked. a good idea. And by the way, congratulations to Chris and his yeah. coaches on it. Just a phenomenal job in the very first year. He was looking for bats and balls about two weeks right. before the season. Yes, incredible. Chris is an excellent coach, but. Yeah, you can do it. You can put cardboard out. You can put uh, any type of surface that they're going to continually move on and not be afraid to get hurt. You can wet down grass. There's a lot of ways. Dick Birmingham was one of the masters of teaching sliding. I remember that from working his camp. So make it comfortable and get over the fear of sliding. Um, do you ever demonstrate? Not anymore. <laughs> I fall. Does that help? <laughs> yeah. That's supposed to be what sliding is, a controlled fall, but mine aren't yeah. controlled all the time. <laughs> Well, Coach Gutton, I, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us um, tonight and, and letting us just kind of pick your brain on all kinds of topics. We went all over the place. I was even going to give you some trivia questions. We ran out of time, um, but I think our listener questions were much more important. I know you would have gotten 100% on them. Well, I appreciate it, and I wouldn't get 100% on the trivia. <laughs> even though I've been around for a while, that's not really my thing. <laughs> Well, they were tailored toward you, so oh, that would have you would have probably bears, got it right. Of course, trivia, I had a chance. There, yes, you had a chance. Perfect. Trust me. <laughs> but thank you, and and best of luck with you in your off season, and of course next season. But I know before next season, I'm going to get you back in here. So. Sounds good. All I right. Well, we're going to move into our post game talk, and this post game talk is sponsored by Story Construction. Story Construction has been providing high quality industrial and commercial construction since 1966. Go to Story S T O R E E dot com. And check them out. We appreciate Story Construction. Now for our post-game talk. Okay, off the diamond. Heading out to a baseball game is a treat and a tradition for so many families. 
Coaching baseball is a sport that has so many life lessons. Coping skills probably being the number one lesson that you get out of coach, out of coaching baseball and playing baseball. What I like about Coach Gutton and the way he coaches is that he is competitive. He has a temper and he is full of energy and passion to do what it takes to win. But he also likes to win the right way. He shows love to his players with that competitiveness. He also loves his players and wants the best for them at life. And he supports and encourages them and is proud of each and every one of them. As he said earlier, the program comes first. Now for your challenge this week. You know, I've been thinking about, you know, the people that surround me in my life. I want you to think about the people that surround you in your life, work or personally. Do they know that you unconditionally love them? Do they know that you are invested in their success and their happiness? We all are parts of different teams. So be involved. Be invested in the success of your team. Be invested in the success of their happiness. Do you uh, do you ever tell them this? Do you ever show them this? Take the time to let people in your life know that they have that you have their back. As you heard Coach Gutton talk about earlier, that is extremely important. You are there for them and make sure that they know that. You'll have that opportunity. And when you give them that opportunity, embrace what comes back to you, hopefully. Embrace a motivating response in return and you will find that they feel the same way. That's how champions do it. So I remind you as I do each and every week, be a good human and live your life like a champion live like a human champion this is jenny hopkins and this has been a coach's perspective